Today's scripture reading comes from Psalms 86, 11 through 13. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faith- faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. This is the word of the Lord for us. So as I mentioned a few moments ago, we are thrilled to have another guest speaker with us this morning, a gentleman named Troy Mazur. So Troy, go ahead and make your way on up here to the front, please. Battling alcohol at a young age, Troy Mazur began his journey in foster homes and as a troubled teen. His path included being in jails, a halfway house, rehab, and prisons. But these stops coupled with drug and alcohol addiction and mental health struggles only made what God had in store for his life even more remarkable. He now has a class A CDL. He has a wife and children who are with us today. Welcome. We honor you. God has transformed him. Troy says that he now has the kind of life he would have never dreamed possible. So would you join me in giving a warm welcome to Troy Mazur? Thank you. Bless you. Appreciate it. All right. Well, this is the first time I'm going to speak in years and not around people I know, so this is going to be fun for all of us. Um, you know, when you, you, there's, there's certain things in life that you just don't say because they're too embarrassing or they're too crazy, you know what I mean? Like you just keep them on the back burner. My life is a bunch of them, and I'm not afraid to talk about them because Jesus rescued me in a scenario where I didn't have a chance. Like me going against Michael Jordan in his prime and me right now, honestly, my prime, but we'll, we'll word it that way. I wouldn't have had a chance. So the ingredients for the history, how everything started out, it was a disaster. My mom had a couple kids, and then she met a guy who just told her everything she wanted to hear. She moved to Pennsylvania, had a couple babies. I was the second one. He was really abusive. Um, He left her because he, I mean, he hit her while she was pregnant, but at the same time, it's just... He's very violent, very aggressive. He, ironically, was a truck driver. My mom left there. Now, my mom was an alcoholic. She drank, she did drugs. Well, when I was about three years old, she used to give me shots of tequila. There's this tequila, and I'd drink out of the lid. Then one time me and my brother got a 12-pack. First time I ever remember being drunk, I was three, laying on the floor, trying to hold the floor still because the whole house was spinning. Um, that's probably around four, and I was upstairs playing with a lantern. My mom asked my brother. He, she said, where's Troy at? And he went upstairs, and he come downstairs. He's like, oh, he's starting to fire. Well, by the time they got up there, there wasn't nothing... Um, there wasn't nothing he could do. It was over. The whole house burned down. So there's, there's neglect where we weren't raised, you know what I mean, like nurtured to see a father hug a kid or a mom say, I love you. That was weird. It really, truly was to see affection like there's something wrong with them people. You know what I mean? Well, mom got in some trouble. And we end up going to foster care. First foster home. When a foster home doesn't want you, that's all they have to say. They will come pick you up and you will leave. And that's how that goes. And that's what happened with the first one. The second one, 
was extremely abusive. Um, my mom, she told me this one day, she said, she said, I didn't abuse you guys like that, so they shouldn't be able to. I was like, that's a messed up sentence. And they took us out. Well, the third one was John and Judy. I don't know if any of you guys know, but it's a foster home around here, and we love them, and they loved us. And we were in foster care. I feel like we're in foster care for about 18 months. We've tried to figure that out, and I really don't know. But we didn't want to go home. We wanted them to be our mom and our dad. And I feel like I feel that that feeling is mutual. That they that they wanted to adopt us as well. But mom got sober, and back then that's all that counted. You, if you're not using, you can go right back home. We went home. The physical abuse got worse because she was clean. So she could pay attention to things now. So if something wasn't clean right or whatever, it would just, it had to be her way or no way. And that was it. I started getting into trouble. And um, at 13, I think, I sold my first bag of weed. Didn't know what I was doing. I stole the weed and sold it. And I'm like, you make money, it wasn't mine. So that was, I mean, very profitable business considering I have no overhead. (laughs) Why not? It's a horrible idea. Well, I start getting in trouble. And the funniest thing was back then, I was in this program called, um, it was called then, I thought, the diversion program. I've heard other programs now, but what they did is they would take kids and take them out to go repelling. And they'd go whitewater rafting. And you would do fun stuff. So if you got arrested, you would get to go do fun stuff with your friends because all your friends were troublemakers too. So instead of staying at home, cleaning the house, dealing with my mother... I could break the law and go to probation camp and get to repel and whitewater raft. It was not a really good reward system they had figured out there. So I got to hang out with all my buddies who broke all the laws, all the girls, and we were never around mom. So it was good. I like that. Well, when I was 16, there's a couple stories there. I probably won't tell the one, but I did get in some trouble, and it was pretty serious. So... I come in, and the guy's going to sentence me to nine months in juvenile facility. I'm like, oh, that's not too bad. Well, there's this boy-teen Christian group home. They want to interview me. Well, they have some favor with the judge. Well, obviously God, because the way this worked out, I wasn't happy about it. So the program says, if somebody steals from you, what are you going to do? I'm like, I'm going to find the person that stole it, and I'm going to punch them in the face. They're like, well, that's really not the answer we're looking for. So they left. I'm like, okay. I get another inter. Their program is indefinite. You hear the word indefinite when you're a 16-year-old boy? That is not a word you ever want to hear. They come back. They want to re-interview me. I give the same answers. I feel like accepted not punching the person in the face. I get accepted to go to youth for the purpose. I end up being there for two years. Now, that sounds, that sounds crazy, but... It was a boy teen Christian group home that modeled loving Jesus. If you would catch them in the living room reading their Bible, praying for you, it was discipline without abuse, like normal meals. Bob went to hug me one time when he was 16. I thought he was going to attack me. I almost hit him because I for real didn't know what a hug was, like not from a man. That was weird. And like they loved you. you my, my grades got better. Everything in my life got better. Like, I improved constantly because 
They were pursuing Jesus, which wanted me to pursue Jesus. And it was a farm. So when I first showed up, I'm sitting there in some overalls. And the theme song for Green Acres popped in my head. I'm from Holmes County. I'm not a farmer. This guy's boots. Oh, I'm like, no. Like, I don't want to do this. But after I turned 18, they had to let me out. You know I mean, that's kind of how that goes. Well... So I moved in with my aunt and my mom. I started, it was my senior year. I started going to school and they're like, well, you got to pay rent. Rent's like 400 bucks a month. Now it's funny, 400 bucks a month rent. Back then I was like, I can have my own place. Why would I pay you rent? Follow your rules if I can have my own spot. So that's what I did. I bounced around a little bit, started hanging out with the wrong people. Same stuff, girls, drugs, alcohol, just like I had never had a relationship with Jesus in the first place. Like, I had just went back to that lifestyle, immersed in those kind of friends. And they're great people, don't get me wrong. They're just, they have their own battles. Four and a half months after I get out of Youth With a Purpose, I'm sitting in jail with five felonies, 10 misdemeanor ones. There's actually more charges, but those were my charges. Four and a half months after that, I was in prison before I would have walked to get my high school diploma. I only needed one credit for my senior year if I'd have stayed in school. One credit, health. I didn't know that was a required class. I don't know. But, so I'm in prison, 18 years old, now I've got five felonies. That's not looking good. Look at a job in the future, it's not looking good for any reason. Well, I get out for a little bit, same stuff. I'm not out, I don't think, three months. I'm back in prison because if you violate, if you get caught drinking or smoking weed, you're automatically sent back in. Now, I've always, I mean, even at 18 and older, I started doing cocaine. I've been drinking since I was a kid. So you just get out and you just would fall back into that same life, same people. It's, you don't even have to pursue it. It's your attitude and how you live your life. You would just meet those type of people. Like, oh, yeah, go to the local store at midnight. What's going to happen? Probably going to be the guy that's trying to buy beer last minute, you know what I mean, or however that goes. Well, I stayed out for a little bit, and then I was doing all right, but I, I mean, I wasn't. I, was, I had a car, and I had money, but it was drugs and None of it was from anything positive. And a couple of friends of mine, they, they wanted to go down. I'd been drinking that day. It was New Year's Eve. And they said, well, let's go down to uh, a friend of mine's house, Megan. And she's just, she's a great person. And um, she's amazing. She really was, is. But what had happened was we went down to another party. It wasn't really a party, just people were drinking there. I wasn't drinking there. I think it, well, I was a little bit, but nothing crazy. Well, when I left, there's these S-curves. And as I went to, to make the right-hand turn, coming out of, you know what I mean? I'd, I'd made the left, and then I was coming out into the right, and the steering wheel just spun. Like, it, it didn't react. It didn't do anything. And I power slid and I hit these trees sideways 
And when I woke up, I asked if everybody was all right. And two of the people said, yeah. And then my friend Megan, she didn't answer me. Um, it wasn't good. So um, they had ran for help. I had got out and I held her. Took the ambulance an hour and a half to find us. Um, it was bad. She, uh, she was in an induced coma for like three months. Uh, she did therapy for years, years after that crash. Um, when they knew that she was going to live, they charged me with vehicular assault. Aggravated vehicular assault initially. When did 17 months. I don't feel... See, this is, this is the part of my story that gets people twisted. I don't feel like I was drunk, and there's details that prove that I wasn't drunk. There are details that, that show that the car was messed up. But I operated a vehicle, and I shouldn't have been driving it flat out. There's, there's no gray area there. I didn't feel that way then. I was mad at God. I'm like, you know what? You put me in prison for something I didn't do, one of my best friends. And the, the one, the, they wanted me dead. Trust me. They, there's a couple of them still to this day hate me like you wouldn't believe. If they had a shot, it wouldn't be good. Um, so I was mad at God. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get out. I'm going to hook up with girls. I'm going to sell drugs. And that's it. I'm going to live for me. I'm going to live for pleasures that make me feel good. I'm done. Like, this was wrong. Like, you locked me up for no reason. God saved my life with me getting locked up for that. There's no doubt that if Jesus wouldn't have been involved in my life pursuing me in that moment, and if I wouldn't have went to prison, I promise you I wouldn't be here right now. I guarantee it. So I get out. <laughs> Ironically, the day I get out of prison, I'm going to this house to pick up this girl. I meet my wife. I'm not picking her up. I'm picking up the other girl. But I had some friends, and we just went and partied. And... Four and a half months later, was it, was it, I think it was four and a half months, three months, leave it to the wives, right? Got to channel the intelligence out of you. I was in jail facing 12 years because I went and got myself caught with a couple ounces of opium and an ounce of weed. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like... I'm having fun, right? That's fun. No, I promise. Jail is not fun. Drugs are... It's horrible what you think is fun and what brings pleasure and joy and happiness. There's no peace in it. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no rest. It's fake joy. Like, chill out with your kids, kicking it, watching TV, for me now, is amazing compared to anything that was ever a fake... To You know what I mean? And, a perversion, I guess, to, to real joy. Well, I'm sitting in my jail cell, and um, these guards come down to my cell. They're like, hey, you know Jeremy? And I'm like, it's a buddy of mine. Like, yeah, well, he's dead. I'm like, awesome. Go back to my cell, and I'm like, God, what are you doing? And I just start to see, like, God played this video of my friends who died from suicide drugs, alcohol, just horrible, just accidents, accidents where they just lost their lives. Um, 
and I was never there for the funeral, but then at the same time, I was never there for their life. I was never there to, at that point, obviously, I wouldn't have been the greatest influence, but you think maybe I could have been. I could have, something could have changed. One of them might be alive. And I'm like, God, if you can get me out of this, I'll never sell drugs again. Um, you guys ever know when, have that feeling when you know God is listening to you, and then you kind of chill a little bit. You're like, hold on. No, I don't want to do this. I don't want to, I don't want to come so far this way to like Brady Bunch. Like we got to chill a little bit. You know what I mean? You could feel yourself in that negotiation stage with God. I'm like, I'll never sell drugs. But the next day, the, <laughs> this guard comes down to my cell and he's like, Mazer, pack your stuff. I'm like, why? And I'm looking around at the guys in my block because if you're in jail, if the guys don't like you, if they're scared of you, if you like to watch the Steelers and they like to watch the Browns, they'll have you kicked out of the block. It just, you know what I mean? So I'm looking around like, what happened? And they're like, nope, we're good. Wasn't us. I'm like, what? They walk me up front. I see this pink piece of paper and my clothes sitting there. Now, I've never faced this kind of charge before. This is a bulk charge, drug charge amount. Like, I have a Schedule II narcotics, so it's a really serious drug. So I don't know. Like, are they going to... I don't know. Like, I've never dealt with this before. And I've got a lot of practice in jail. He said, sign the paper, get dressed, and get out. I'm like, what? He's like, sign it. Get dressed, or I'll find charges that will stick. I was pulled over. He wrenched underneath my seat. He pulled the drugs from under my seat. I told them they were my drugs. I was arrested. In the back of the car, if they would have looked at the highway patrol film, I wasn't so husky at that point. And my buddy, I had used to keep my phone in this pocket. They're flip phones. It's a thing. So I get my hands, I could get my hands around and I put speaker on and I said, told my friends, hey, get the drugs out of the house. So not that just, that shows that I also have other drugs and he kicks me out of jail. Like I'm a free man that Jesus freed me, kicked me out of jail, released me from jail. And I'm like, I don't even know what to do right now. I'm terrified. Walking through this thing, looking over my shoulder like, this, is, this doesn't even make sense. A couple, my, well, a couple people came up and picked me up. And I'm like, all right, I'm not going to sell drugs anymore because I promised God. So I'm going to sit at home, I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to stay away from everybody. I chewed snuff for a long time. I started chewing when I was like four or five years old. And... Um, I'd steal my brother's Copenhagen. Got caught once. Wasn't good. Wasn't good. <laughs> I had to eat it. It's horrible. Horrible. But uh, so I'm reading the Bible. I can't say what verse it was. You know when you feel conviction without condemnation. And that's what happened. And um, the Holy Spirit's like, well, I felt, you know, God's like chewing the sin. I'm like, no, it ain't. Like, nope, not happening keep reading it and just you feel it and I'm like man I don't like that like I enjoy chewing it's one of my favorite things to do and I was delivered from it that night I've never put another chew in since and uh it's like 
I'm, I'm at a party. I'm not all innocent here. I'm still drinking beer, and I'm still, you know I mean? I'm not doing drugs, though. I don't think really I'd stopped, right? I'd stopped like 10 years, yeah, a long time ago. And um, a buddy of mine answers the phone. This guy wants a bag of weed, an ounce. It's, it's whatever. And I'm like, all right. My dude's like, dude, I don't want to deal with this guy. I'm like, I'll talk to him. He's like, man, can you get me an ounce of weed? I'm like, I stopped messing around. This, there's court transcripts that say I said this. It's funny. It's not funny, but it's funny. You get it. <laughs> so I'm like, a couple of conversations happened. I'm like, fine, whatever. What I didn't know is that dude had got caught with some cocaine and he, wasn't, he didn't want to go to jail. A little bit of cocaine. Like, that's, that's, that, I don't want to minimize cocaine. Cocaine is very serious. Do not mess with cocaine. But I'm saying it was a small amount that would have put him in jail for a very small period of time. And that's not how he wanted to play it. Well, his phone conversation with me was tapped. The chick driving him was a Midway agent. There's video surveillance across the street. You could not have been more caught than I was caught that day. It was, I was, it was amazing how far I fell down that hole. Well, they didn't arrest me because they want you to catch more than one charge so you can't say entrapment. You can't say you were tricked, manipulated into breaking the law. Like somebody had something outside of your normal that you wouldn't have done it. Well, I wasn't selling drugs. So that, it didn't work. Well, I interfered with another case. And this cop was asking some questions to a friend of mine. And I'm like, did you tell her that she's allowed to have a lawyer? Did you tell her that she didn't have to answer any of your questions? He's like, I'll be back. I'm like, all right, we'll see you later. Well, I did. Three other cops and him came back. I went to jail real quick. And so did all of them that she told on. That was horrible too. But um, I did 90 days in jail. I'm like... All right, so I get out. Well, I have trouble holding a job. I have trouble being this productive member of society. And my wife tells me I'm kind of crazy and I need to talk to a doctor. So I go talk to a doctor. I have some stuff to take care of. Come to find out, I get diagnosed bipolar stage two. I get put on disability because my anger issues are real. They're, they're out of control. And... um. So now I get a social, I get a disability check. I don't work. I'm on food stamps, social security, or food stamps and disability. It's not, it's not good. Financially, I started out broke as a kid. I mean, my brothers told me stories about, he'd call rolling my mom. She'd pass out drunk and they would roll her around and steal the change and go buy soups so we could have soups or wash our clothes by hand in the bathtub. So poverty has been there forever. So I accept it. Like, you're crazy. You can't work. You're just going gonna, gonna to sit. You're going to do this. Um, my wife's dad passes away. We, we took care of him. He took care of us. Um, he was a veteran. I took him to Wade Park all the time. Took him to hundreds of appointments. And he, he was essentially like a father. I never actually met my biological father. Um, we talked on the phone. And uh, I was asking him what had happened in the past. And he said, oh, the past is the past. I'm like, that's how you feel? He's like, yeah. I'm like, perfect. And that was it. Um, so 
her dad passes away. He was a source of income for the household. My wife, is as she was an STNA at the time, and I'm on disability. Well, now we have a, a baby, and we're over our head in debt. And it's going fast. It's going down fast. And um, I'm going to church. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm, and, oh God, the amount of prayers that I had to be covered by, just, and God looking out for me, because... The idea of a CDL came up. Go get a CDL. That's a commercial driver's license to drive a semi. I have a vehicular assault on my record. I have drug trafficking charges on my record. I have diagnosis of bipolar stage two, and I have alcohol charges on my record. Not only are the, the, the whoever's going to try to hire me not going to hire me, they're not going to let me have a CDL once they see bipolar. But bad ideas ain't something I'm doing. You know, I'll do it. Let's try it. Well... I pass. I get my commercial. Well, I go and to get my medical, and the lady's like, oh, I can't sign that. I'm like, why? She's like, you're bipolar. I'm like, yeah, I know. She's like, you have to have doctors sign off on this. Take it to my doctor. She's like, oh, Troy never said. I'm like, hold on. You said I could work. Over with. She wrote on a prescription pad. Troy Mazur is fit to work. His, his medicine and his blood levels are closely monitored. On a prescription pad, which I always I thought was amazing and funny at the same time, gave it to her. They gave me my medical. I got a Class A, CDL. Um, I started driving tanker. Hauling milk, no baffles. I stay working long enough that my wife feels secure enough that she can leave work and she can go and she goes to school. She goes to nursing school. She gets her nursing degree. She gets LB, LPN, valedictorian of her class. You can't make this stuff up. You know what I mean? You can't where breaking poverty and you're breaking from addiction and, and family. I've never seen family modeled until certain instances in my life. Two years ago, my two nephews, about two years ago, a year and a half ago, my two nephews came to live with us, and they've been living with us ever since. Um, yeah, this, I, I PG'd most of the story. I mean, if you guys ever want to ask me a question about something, I've dealt with it. Strip clubs, pornography, drugs, I mean, whatever category is, a, is an area of shame. I'm not promised I've been through that exact situation, but I guarantee I've came close. I was not afraid to do anything, and, and, and the things I was surrounded with were, they were never great. And Jesus has brought me through amazing things and put amazing people in my life and, uh, well, allowed me the opportunity to come here and speak. And I just, I want to thank B, uh, MCA and Pastor John, and you guys have been extremely hospitable, and I love the love here, I do. It's, and there's a peace here, and I just, I enjoy it, and thank you for having me.